You're listening to the AISTS Master of Sports Administration podcast, created by Dr. Boris Gojanovich as part of the program Sports Medicine Module. In this series, we attempt to discover, understand, and debate the important issues in the world of sports medicine. China meets Ohio in our bi-weekly health podcast. Let's talk about hard work. Okay, Cindy, let's pretend your children come to you crying after coming in last place in a competition. They put all their blood, sweat, and tears into the competition. What do you say to them? I'm going to let one of my childhood role models answer that question for you. Homer, is there anything you want to say? You're curious. Kids, you tried your best, and you failed miserably. The lesson is... Never try. Wise words from a wise man, Sydney. But tell me, what do you make of this 10,000-hour rubbish? Well, we should probably start with Malcolm Gladwell, who made the theory popular with his book, Outlier, that was published in 2008 and instantly became a bestseller. Yes, I've actually read it. But was he just trying to sell his book, or was he onto something here? Well, that's the debate, and there are many theorists and people who have strong opinion on this topic. Okay, we'll get into some of those theories a little bit later. But tell me more about this Gladwell, what he came up with and how he did it. So Malkin did some research on a number of people who were on the top of their field or industry. He came to find that all of them, with very few exceptions, had spent at least 10,000 hours or 10 years working to perfect their skills. Interesting. So according to this Gladwell guy, hard work overrides all other factors. What does that say about athletes specifically who are naturally gifted versus athletes or just regular people who are not gifted? Well, there are others with strong opposing opinion when it comes to athletes, both in terms of natural ability and the mode in which they practice. Yes, I've heard of a book called The Sports Gene. Have you read it? Have I read it? I actually own it. But no, I haven't read it. I was able to get a good summary of the book through a Google search, though. Ah, reading is a waste of time. So tell me more about the sports gene. David Epstein, the author, discusses the issue of nature versus nurture when it comes to developing athletes. He attacks stereotypes in sports such as fast Jamaican sprinter or Kenya excelling at long-distance running. I guess stereotypes are there for a reason. So he claims that people have a natural advantage when it comes to playing sports. I guess that would apply not only just to race and nationality, but also hereditary makeup. Yao Ming wasn't an accident. Tall people are more likely to make it to the NBA. Okay, the lab where Yao Ming was made is a whole other story. But let's stick with this theory of having predetermined chances. What about the people who are naturally gifted at something, like Beethoven on the piano or Messi with the soccer ball? Well, I'm going to throw it over another expert in his field and let him answer that for me. Will Hunting, will you try to explain this to us? Did you play the piano? Yeah, so when you when you look at a piano, you see Mozart. I see chopsticks. All right, well, Beethoven, okay? He looked at a piano, and it just made sense. He could just play. So what are you saying? You play the piano? No, not a lick. I mean, I look at a piano, I see a bunch of keys, three pedals, and a box of wood. But Beethoven, Mozart, they saw it, they could just play. I couldn't paint you a picture. I probably can't hit the ball out of Fenway. I can't play the piano. But you can do my outcome paper another an hour. Okay, I like that. Some people are just born with a certain talent or gifted in a particular field or sport. Yes, 
a man named Francois Garnier went a little deeper into this theory. He claims that, other than chance, giftedness is the most important factor to determine talent level in a particular field. Ah, theories and opinions are nice, but is there any hard evidence to back this up? Yes, I'm glad you asked. A recent Princeton study found that work or practice time equated to just 12% difference in performance level across a wide variety of fields. Okay, finally, some hard information. What does this study say about sports? Anything? Yes, in sports, it accounted for 18% difference. So, if two people with equal giftedness or born talent, hard work would make a difference. I imagine that the results would differ when comparing different kinds of sports and activities, such as playing the piano. Well, yes, they claim that deliberate practice is only a predictor of success in the field that has super stable structures. Okay, that makes sense. So, in activities where the rules don't really change, like chess, piano, or even tennis, but it's less in less stable fields, the rules go out the window. Exactly. Let's briefly talk about this deliberate practice versus deliberate programming. That Jason Goldman did some experimenting with down in Australia. Yes, Jason took sprinters and transformed them into Olympic ice skeleton athletes in one year of deliberate programming. But the skills in those two sports transfer over pretty easily. It's not like he took a tennis player and made them into a professional basketball player. That's true. They require similar skill sets. It would be interesting to see the result of two dissimilar sports. Okay, so let's get back to this Princeton study. Is there anything else? Yes, the study found that in professions there was just one percent difference in performance. So stop staying late at work. You, you've either got it or you don't. Ah,、uh, don't worry about me. I'm out the door as the clock ticks five. Yeah, I could see that. So what about desire and motivation? Doesn't that play a large role in how good an individual is or can be? Yes, of course. Francois Garnier also spoke about intrinsic motivation as a large factor. I'll、explain that a little more, please. What does he mean by this? Well, a person is more likely to develop elite-level talent when they are intrinsically motivated, meaning that they are not after the money or fame; rather, they are doing it because they are passionate about it. Definitely, a man named Mihai Csikszentmihalyi coined the term "flow" in psychology. It's commonly called being in the zone in sports. This is a state of mind when an individual becomes completely lost in a task or activity. He says it happens when a skill level meets an appropriate challenge and requires focus and motivation. Yeah, Mihai uses the term autotelic, meaning that the act is done for the joy of doing the act rather than the result, an end in itself rather than a mean to an end. Brilliant. He also claims that production is greatly enhanced when in this state. Is there some science behind it, or is it just theory? Of course, there is science behind it. A man named Stephen Kotler, who co-founded the Human Genome Project, has done a lot in the field of neurochemistry to explain flow. Ah,、uh, yes, I've heard something about this. He says that the brain releases a series of chemicals when you're experiencing this flow state. But what exactly are these chemicals, and how do they help human performance? Well, there are five different chemicals. I will talk about just a few, though. Dopamine and norepinephrine allow your brain to take in more information and process it more deeply and quickly. If I'm not mistaken, these are the same chemicals that your brain releases when you take drugs. Dopamine is released with cocaine, and norepinephrine is released when you take speed. I'm a little worried. You know that, Anthony. But yes, you're right. That's interesting. So it makes the work and practice more enjoyable.、And、that's where the motivation comes in, and. It's much cheaper than cocaine. Ah,、uh, good stuff, Cindy.
Don't waste your money on drugs. Just find your flow state. Exactly. Okay, Cindy, let's wrap this up. Do me a favor and sum up your opinion of this 10,000-hour theory with a very creative analogy. Imagine you are in a rowboat in the middle of a river. Why would you fight against the current and head upstream when you can go so much farther, quicker by going with the flow? That's beautiful. Okay, that's all for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Next week, we're talking about the side effects of cocaine and diabetes in adolescent table tennis players. Tune in. Thanks for listening. If you've got questions or comments, share them directly on this track on the AISTS MSA SoundCloud page or visit us at www.aists.org.